Good morning. How is everyone? Do you know, I'm going to give you a little church fact. You like church facts? Probably not, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So, and it, it's kind of ironic if you think about it, but um, the Sunday after Thanksgiving across our nation is the least attended Sunday at church in the whole calendar year. Did you know that? It's kind of interesting to you think about it like we're meant to be all thankful to God and all this, and then, and then you know, Black Friday, and then rival Saturday, right? <laughs> like, we make time for all that, but it's just like, oh, man, I can't do the church thing. So, you know, to combat that, you know, we fry turkeys to try to, you know, make it more, and then we'll have our turkey bowl and stuff like that, but uh, it's also kind of fun to have everybody in one gathering, as, as uh, Justin was saying, that worlds or, or worship gatherings collide. I don't know if I would necessarily say that we're colliding, any fights that I missed? No. Okay. So, yeah. So, so we are starting a new Advent series. It's called Not So Silent Night. And uh, do you hear what I hear? And it's based on the idea of the very popular Christmas song, Silent Night. You know, you know it? Silent Night, Holy Night, that one. So, but the reality is, you know, as beloved as that, that, that song is, that, that that night was not so silent, that there was a lot of noise going on. You got to think that all the people who were coming to Jerusalem to pay their taxes and all the travelers and, and Mary and Joseph were were uh, about to have a baby in, in, a, in a, a, a Sukkot or a Sakah, um, basically a, a lean-to that was built outside of the inn to try to house more animals and, and, and people and things like that. And then, uh, I don't know if you've been uh, around birth and babies, but that's not really a quiet, silent kind of event, you know, that sometimes... People may cry out a little bit. Maybe they'll say things that maybe they later regret, you know, and, and things like that. I don't know. This is what I've heard. So, uh, so, you know, obviously not such a silent night. And we're talking and thinking about, about this Advent series and, and really the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus' life. And one thing I... I think a lot of times we forget was that Mary, Jesus' mother, was with him. In fact, she's the only human being who was with him every step of the way from, from birth to crucifixion to resurrection to ascension. You ever think about that? That's, nobody else uh, uh, was with Jesus through the whole breath of his life. She was from the beginning to the very end. And a lot of times, you know, we think so much in images, and we're a very image-driven culture, but also many other times uh, uh, we, we're, we're driven by just information. Like, we think we know the story. We, you know, they, yeah, you know, they were going to pay taxes and this and that. But a lot of times we forget to really immerse ourselves fully in the story and, and 
the reality is that one of the big things about, about experience is sound. I, you know, sound, if you think about it, it, it conveys so many different elements, so much richness, so much texture to our lives. When you think about the difference between a silent picture and, and a picture with, with words, or even when we're making these videos, when it's just me talking, blah, 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 you know, it, it doesn't really come to life until we put the, the mood, mood music, mood music uh, uh, underneath, and, and all of this rich, richness and, and texture. In fact, a lot of times, Sound is how we convey feelings and, and experience. I remember uh, 4th of July evenings when I was growing up, and I love the fireworks, and, and I always hesitate telling stories about my mom because she listens to it on Vimeo or, or watches it on Vimeo or she'll listen to it on her podcast. But I'm going to tell a story anyway. Sorry, Mom, but uh, you probably don't know this. Uh, I always get a call too. Yeah, it's like, Mark, you know, uh, I didn't know you felt that way. So, uh, see, usually I can tell the nine, I'll go all out, and then the 11, I bring it back a little bit because I know that's the one they post. You didn't know that, right? So, so you get the full thing at the nine. Uh, but we go to go to uh, watch the fireworks, and I love the fireworks, but I hated sitting next to my mom because she would make all of these noises. <laughs> the fireworks would go off, you know, she'd be like, ooh. <laughs> and then another one would go off, and she'd be like, aha. And I'm like, Mom, that was just a car driving by. That wasn't even a fire. And, she, and she's, she's like, well, that makes it more the experience. And, 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 it, and it did. And I think back, and, it, you know, it, it's, it's my mom. And, and that was part of, of her experience was, was, you know, participating by adding her soundtrack to, to the fireworks. And, and I get that. And, but... But it, it, it was, but what she was doing, she was expressing wonder, right? That she was, you know, like a kid almost, just like, wow, you know, this is so amazing. You know, also, uh, sounds can be reoccur uh, or encouraging or, re or bring reassurance. You know, you think about a mother singing to her child or, or, or if a child is, is hurt and, and a parent stroking that child's head and telling them, you know, it's going to be okay or, or they love them. Or uh, I was thinking about an instance when I was working on that, this this week was a time when my grandpa um, from England, my mom's father, uh, he took me to Disneyland. Now, I was probably, I was probably 12-ish. So I was trying to think about this. So he, he was probably, I don't know, 60? Does that sound probably about right? Anybody? Like, I mean, is that kind of generationally? So he wasn't old by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I'm 46. So, you know, 60, I mean, I, I, I race on bicycles against guys who are 60, and they beat me all day long. So, I mean, like my concept of age, you know, like when you're 12, 60 is ancient, but, but you get a little bit older, you know, that, that 60 is not so old. 
And so I remember going on Space Mountain at Disneyland. Do you ever been on that? Do they have Space Mountain at, at uh, Disney World? Okay, I've never been to Disney World. Uh, what? I've been to been, I went to the original. I, you know, I don't want to see the sequel. Uh, man, tough crowd. Aren't you still thankful from Thanksgiving? Thankful for your pastor? Where's the grace, really? So we go on Space Mountain, and I remember as a kid, I was so frightened for my grandpa. Uh, because we're going, you know, and, and roaring around, and it's dark, and I don't know, they have the asteroid, it looked like a big cookie, is it still like that in, in, in Disney World? So it looked like a giant cookie, maybe that's just because I'm a hog, uh, but I'm like, oh, cookie, you know, and we're going along, and I, at some point in the ride, I think it was the first dip, I thought he died. <laughs> And I was so scared, and I couldn't enjoy the ride. I couldn't enjoy the giant cookie. I couldn't enjoy any of this. And then he, like, went, we went around this corner, and I heard this. <laughs> you can't see, right? It's pitch black. I'm like, Grandpa is alive. And I started enjoying it again. We go down the thing, and, and like, he started being quiet again. And I'm like, oh, no, he died again. And, and, and you know, every so often, I'd hear a groan, and it was like, oh, it was so reassuring, you know, that we were both having the time of our life, you know, on the thing. I'm thinking my grandfather is, you know, in cardiac arrest, and he's like, you know. So, but, you know, you think about it, and, you know, you just about this, you know, we're, we're laughing. You know, if it just took a picture of this, it, you know, laughter conveys just joy and, and community. And the reality is that, that throughout Jesus' life, that there were all of these sounds. And, and, and a lot of times if we just look at the, the images or if we only look at the information, we really miss the emotion of the Christmas story and really of Jesus' life. And in this series, we're actually going to go backwards through Jesus' life all the way back until his birth that we'll celebrate on Christmas Eve. And so today we're going to actually start with the ascension and, and try to pull out some of, some of the sounds, try to, uh, try to hear the Christmas story through Mary's ears, the, the story of Jesus through Mary's ears. Now, the... The thing about the ascension and about, about Jesus' life was that the disciples really were expecting the Messiah to be a conqueror. They thought that, that the Messiah was going to come and topple the Roman Empire and, and put a physical king back on the throne. And this was a big misconception understanding the difference between uh, uh, how Israel was thinking of salvation through nationalistic kind of mindset versus through humanity. And if you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, in verse 6, Jesus is talking to them before he ascends into heaven for the, uh, the final time. And, and in verse 6, it says, So, when the apostles were with Jesus, and they became apostles after Jesus uh, 
um, was crucified, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So there, there's a question, Lord, has the time come? Now, what, what's the modifier before that? Kept asking, right? That obviously that this is something that was very prevalent to them. They kept on asking them, you know, Jesus, is now the time for you to come and free Israel and restore our kingdom? They're thinking about this earthly kingdom. Now, those of you with, with kids or, or employees probably or, or, or anything that, you know, that sometimes people get very repetitive in their ask, Right? Like right now, my son's 15, and he wants his permit. And he asks nonstop, can I get my permit? Can I get my permit? Can I get my permit? You know, again and again and again. And I kind of picture the, the, the apostles that they understand that, you know, hey, the time is coming near that they want to get an answer. Jesus, now is the time. Well, hey, Jesus, we started with you three years ago. You called us. You know, you said we were going to be fishers of men, that we were going to do all these amazing things. And then we saw you crucified. Then you rose from the dead. And now, you know, you're coming to the end of your life. Is now the time? And what Jesus responds to them, it says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people, uh, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus is doing here is changing their expectation. When I'm disappointed uh, and uh, I've been disappointed in front of Pastor Dan several times, not at Pastor Dan, but just, you know, just sharing with him, he, he often uh, tells me that, he doesn't say it this way, but this is the way I say it. This is my interpretation of Pastor Dan. Uh, the gap between expectation and realization is disappointment. Basically, him saying, you know, what did you expect? And what did you expect in this, in this situation? And, and what is the, the realization? And, and it was that expectation, if it was real or false, or that, that is your disappointment. And as I thought about that, it's become one of my life axioms of, of, of just when I am disappointed in somebody or something or a situation, I go back and I ask myself, was this a realistic expectation? Was this a realistic expectation that this person would do this or this situation would do that? You know, the reality is, you know, we just had a holiday filled with expectation, right? That, that oh, you know what? We're, we're going to have our family over or we're going to have our friends over or we're going to have our friends of them. We're going to have this, you know, beautiful, moist, you know, wonderful turkey and all these, you know, wonderful sides and, and everybody's going to get together and, and, and be happy and we're going to have wonderful conversation and it's going to be perfect. Anybody? Marie, yours like that? 
All right, well, there you go. Most of the time, if you're not Marie, that, 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 that expectation doesn't, uh, uh, didn't happen. In fact, you know, one of my expectations, were we were going to go to the Gortney Gobble Fest. It's one of my favorite things. We've gone almost, I think we've been here 12 years. I think we've gone 11 out of the 12, 12 years. It's a wonderful time where the Gortneys open up their home. They, they uh, invite their grad students from around the world to come and experience Thanksgiving, and, and it's a wonderful time. And, and, and there's always wonderful uh, food and, and, and just in time. And what, you know, expect, my expectation was that we were going to be able to be there that afternoon and, and enjoy that. Uh, but my son went out riding his mountain bike and broke his arm. And uh, so that, you know, that kind of disrupted that expectation and it changed our, our Thanksgiving. And, and just going back, it's like, okay, you know, I can be disappointed about that or just realize, you know, have an expectation that life happens. You know what? Kids break arms, you know, that plans change. So instead of experiencing disappointment, having the realization of, and flexibility of understanding that other things are outside of our control. And just because we expect something does not mean it's going to happen. I think this is critical as we move into the Christmas season. That, that you may have expectations of your spouse or you may have expectations of your, your friends or your family or this or that. And when it doesn't come about, you know what? What is the most important thing? Was it that they met your expectations or, or that you were able to come together and share whatever it is, you know, in this broken and messy world? And I, I just think having, uh, expecting the right things, and this is what Jesus is doing, is the disciples were expecting an earthly kingdom, and Jesus is, is changing their expectation and saying, no, 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 we're doing something else. He says, you know what? When I go, the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill you with power. As Justin was talking about, the same Spirit that, that rose me from the dead, raised me from the dead, is going to dwell in you. And when it does, I want you to go. And I don't know if you know geography of the near Middle East, but, but what he's talking about is, hey, when this power comes, you know what, tell, go to everyone and tell people about me in Jerusalem, right? So, and then the next concentric circle is Judea, and then the next one is Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And what he's doing is, is moving it from the restoration of Israel to the, the, the restoration of the whole world. And he's actually alluding to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 49, verse 6, where Isaiah prophesies this, that you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So once again, that Jesus is identifying himself with the prophesied Messiah that was going to come. And he's saying, look, guys, I understand that your expectation was this earthly kingdom, but that was not God's expectation. 
God's expectation is much larger than that. It's not a restoration of Israel. It is a restoration of all of creation. And then after saying this, he was taken into a cloud and, and they, where they could no longer see them. As they strained to see him in heaven, two men, uh, robed men, suddenly stood among them and said this, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into, uh, into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And I love the, 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 just the imagery and the feel of, of this. I mean, if you think about it, you know, you got your disciples here, you know, and Jesus is like, look, you guys missed it. You know what? It's not just the restoration of, of, of Israel to an earthly kingdom. It is for all the planet. And they're all like, oh, okay, okay. Does Jesus look taller to you? <laughs> I think he's floating, floating. floating. Yeah, there's like a cloud. And, and they start like looking at him go up, and they're like standing there just looking. And this is where my mom would be going, ooh, <laughs> ah. They're just looking up. And then I see, the, you know, the two, the two, you know, guys in the white robes or whatever they were wearing come over here, and, you know, they're all standing up here, and they're walking over here, and they're like, hey, hey, here, focus, over here. You know what? Why are you standing there looking up into the sky? Why are you making these oohs and these ahs as, 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 as Jesus ascends? He gave you a mission. He told you to do something. He said, look, start telling people when the power comes, you know, to start telling people about me here in Judea or in, in Jerusalem, in Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's like, look, get with it. I know that you guys are filled with wonder, but just know that, you know what, someday Jesus will come back in the same way that he ascended. And then you will know it is time, that your mission is complete. And you know, you think about, about the sounds and the chatter and, and the confusion that, that would have encompassed all of that. And then we find out that 10 days later in the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit did come. And it quite literally changed the, the course of history. It took these fishermen and these deniers and these you know, people who were confused and when, the, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were truly able to bring the gospel, the good news about reconciliation, about the possibility of having a right relationship with God, a right relationship with people, a right relationship with his creation to, to uh, fruition. And it all comes down back to this point where this reiteration of why he came. You know, as the, uh, the funny thing is that Jesus was really re reiterating the great commandment. 
And essentially, just uh, to remind you, after Jesus' resurrection, he, uh, he walked the planet for another 40 days, visiting with people, instructing them, and things like that before, you know, before the ascension. 50 days later uh, from his resurrection was the day of Pentecost. So this is the, the last day, a few days before that, which I'm sure that the angels probably reminded them that, that the, the Messiah, that Jesus, had given them the great commission, telling them, this is what I want you to do. If you flip over your Bibles to Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. These are the, the words and, and these are the sounds of, of Jesus. That, that in this story that, that we can focus on what he said and get part of the picture. But I think it's more important that we take a step back. That we immerse ourselves in the full story of Jesus. Because if we just rely on an image or if we just lie on the information that we miss the emotion. We miss the wonder. We miss the, the tenderness and the passion of what only can be conveyed in the tones, in the harmony of Jesus' love. Do you guys pray with me?